Turn the book of Romans here tonight, and uh, again as we uh, continue here tonight in the book of Romans, we're continuing some thoughts on righteousness and justification. Um, last week we talked about Paul's case for how one receives the righteousness of God, and we looked at uh, several ways here in Romans chapter 4 that righteousness is received. Uh, we find out verse, first of all here as far as how righteousness is received Again, it's not of the law, but it's rather by faith in the Lord. And that's important for us to get because there's still people today that believe, you know, um, somehow following the Word of God or following the laws of the Old Testament, you can obtain righteousness, but you cannot. And so he sets forth that truth here in Romans chapter 4. We also see, again, how righteousness is received. We find it's by free grace, by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is mentioned in actually chapter 3 and also chapter 4, but especially there in verse number uh, 24, it says, in chapter 3, it says, being justified freely by His grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so, again, righteousness is received by free grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, which it talks about there in uh, verse number 25, by faith in His blood. Uh, again, we see in the Bible also in this chapter, in chapters 3 and 4, especially in 4, it says, again, by faith, Abraham received the righteousness of God. It wasn't by works, had nothing to do with his lineage or where he came from or his nationality. And uh, it says this in chapter 4, verse number 3, and Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And so Abraham received, great, again, salvation or righteousness by faith and we all receive righteousness the same way and uh, without works as is mentioned also in uh, verse number four it says now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt and it goes on there in verse number five it says but to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also described the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. And so we see here in the book of Romans that it's by grace and that David is set forth, I believe, as an example of someone who was saved by grace. We find that in Psalm chapter 40 and also in the case of him being forgiven for his guilt of adultery and murder. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 speaks of his adultery and murder. Uh, he was kept by grace and saved by grace. We also see there towards the middle of the chapter there in Romans chapter 4 that faith, uh, that righteousness is by faith and not by circumcision. Uh, circumcision, whether circumcision, baptism, confirmation, uh, whatever it might be, communion, none of these things give people righteousness. And so we find that here in, in verse number 13, it says there, For the promise that he should be an heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Again, righteousness coming by faith. Tonight, I'd like to look at another thought here from chapter 4, and we'll go into chapter 5 here tonight. But I want to begin here in chapter 5, and then we'll read back through part of chapter 4 again here tonight. As we consider this thought about justification, this is something talked about a lot in uh, chapters 3, 4, and 5, 
And I want to talk about that here a little bit tonight here. Is that about justification? Uh, I want to read to begin with here, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1 and verse number 2. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his gra- this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I want to look at this thought here tonight, the blessedness of justification by grace. The blessedness of justification by grace. But let's pray before we do here tonight. Father, we thank you again for your word here tonight. Father, there's a lot here for us to consider and look at. Again, here tonight as we consider mostly those things that are written here in the book of Romans. Again, I pray you'd help us to understand some things about justification, imputation, and salvation. So important are these thoughts to us and to the world. Again, I pray that you would again help us to see the blessedness we have if we are saved by grace and if we have been justified by grace. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now we find here in Romans chapter 5 here, verse number 1, it says there, uh, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing to be justified before God. Are you justified before God right now? It's just a question to ask. It should be a question that you either know or you don't know. Have you been justified because of the law? Absolutely not. Have you been justified because of sin? Certainly not. Are you justified because you're a Baptist? Are you justified because you're a follower of Jesus? I want to consider some thoughts on justification here tonight and what justification is about. As we consider justification here tonight, I want to start out by saying this about justification. Justification is a legal term describing a person in a perfect standing with God. That's amazing. Justification is describing a a person with a perfect standing before God. You say, how? In the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We see this as we back up into chapter 3. I want to read these verses to begin with here. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 24. Justification, again, is a position where you stand perfectly before God in the righteousness of Christ. How can you get there? Well, Romans chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus." just want to stop there. That he might be just. A person person may become in a position of just before God. Not as sinful, not as a sinner. If you turn back to Romans chapter 3, verse number 10. Not in a position where they're unrighteous. Romans chapter 3, 10. There's none righteous, no, not one. Looking down to verse number 19, it says, And we know that, what sort of things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, that all the world may be guilty before God. 
You will look at a person naturally, they're perfect, they're, they're standing before God would be in a position of being guilty before God and not righteous before God, but rather in a position where they are imperfect before God. And they've fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so there's a problem when it comes to justification. Someone by their own standing will never stand justified before God. But the born-again believing Christian is put in a place of perfect standing before God by the blood of Jesus and through faith unto salvation. Every believer casts their faith on the blood of Jesus and on the ability for God to save them, and they are saved by grace, by simple, trusting faith in the precious blood of Jesus. Romans chapter 3. And so I want to say, first of all, as we consider here tonight the blessedness of justification by faith, I want to say, first of all, it's a perfect and a privileged standing to stand in a place before God justified by faith. Not justified by anything else, and you will never be justified by anything else, but by faith in Jesus Christ and faith in his blood. The Jew is not going to stand before God in better standing, neither the Gentile because of their race or their heritage or what they've done or not done or what church they go to or what church they don't go to. Or what they believe about politics, it's not going to all matter. None of that's going to matter. Are they justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus? Have they been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, or have they not? And so first of all here tonight, the blessedness of justification is to have a perfect and privileged standing before God. I stand in a position of righteousness before God. Someone says, that's awful proud for you to stand in. I'm not standing in my righteousness. I'm standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His righteousness, his life was perfect. He always did those things that pleased God. He never uh, was involved with sin. He became that perfect sin bearer to take away all my sins so that I can be in a place of justification before God. And so we see the first reason why we're blessed in justification let me say there's another reason for a blessedness, if you would, of justification. We see this in Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, and let me read down to verse number 25. I want to run through these verses again here. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all sin it comes short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. The blessedness of justification is a gift of forbearance of God. The forbearance of God allows God not to give us what we receive, what we justly deserve. What do we justly reserve? Well, we can go back to chapter 2 and we can see what we justly reserved, we deserve. Uh, again, back to chapter 2, if you would. I'm going to read uh, a little bit in chapter 1 there also, but I'll just read there in Romans chapter 2. What do we justly reserve? It says, Therefore, thou art excusable, man, 
whosoever thou art that judges, wherefore, uh, wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou judgest, doest the same things, and we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. And then chapter 1, verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And so God has given to us who are justified the gift of forbearance. He's given that gift, in a sense, even to those that are lost, that he forbears. He holds back on what we deserve. We deserve the judgment of God, and our sin makes us worthy of death. But he in love extends grace to us. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. The blessedness of salvation or justification is there is a gift of grace available through the forbearance of God, not of merit of work, not of righteousness of our own, not of doing this or doing that, but simply trusting in and putting our faith in this grace and this faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, we're going to go a little bit further here in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, let's pick up in verse number 7, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we and we were enemies, we're reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. A gift of forbearance. And not only that forbearance comes because the son is a substitute for us to allow for us to have reconciliation to God through the son, through Jesus Christ. I'd like to have you turn back to Numbers chapter 21, an example of the Bible of forbearance is found here in Numbers chapter 21. And again, as you look at Numbers chapter 21, you might not think of it as, as maybe an example of, of forbearance. Maybe, uh, maybe you would, maybe you won't. But uh, I want to read through this text here in Numbers chapter 21 as God's people were traveling there away from Egypt and traveling towards the promised land. They got discouraged in the way and begin to speak against God and speak against Moses. And uh, we'll read about that here and uh, look at this just a little bit. Numbers chapter 21, starting in verse number 4. It says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea, the compass of the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. So there is no bread, neither is there water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now someone says, well, it doesn't look like forbearance there. Uh, again, the Bible mentions there in verse number 5, they spake against God and they spake against Moses and they spake in, in gratitude towards God and against Moses. And so God allowed for these serpents to bite them. 
And you find out here as soon as this happened and right after some of this happened in verse number seven, it says the people went to Moses and sought for him to help in this situation. It says, therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, but we have spake against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it on a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it on a pole. And it came to pass, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Well, they asked for the serpents to be taken away. The serpents weren't taken away. Now, someone says, well, what happened there? Well, the people sinned against God, and they got in trouble, and they asked for help there, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told them to make this serpent of brass. It mentions there's this fiery serpent set it on a pole, and if people, once they had been bitten, they'd look to that pole, they could live. The biting would lead to death, and sin leads to death. But we see, again, God allow for Moses to put up this brass serpent so that people might live. Jesus is like unto that brass serpent. Only through him you're going to live. People must look and live. They must look to Jesus and live. They must cast their faith on Jesus to live. He is that love gift for us because sin will lead us to death, and sin will lead us to hell. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we can live. And so there's a blessedness to justification. Justification is a forbearance gift given to us that if we look to the Lamb of God, we look to Jesus, we can find life and we can live. Romans chapter 4, as we read on there in Romans chapter 4, there's Again, a term that's used quite often here in Romans chapter 4. I'm going to look at a few verses that have it in it. The first few of, uh, uh, verses there, I'm going to skip over, but we're going to pick up in verse number 4. Uh, we're going to look at the blessedness of imputation. The blessedness of imputation. That is to be given a spot-free record by somebody else. Romans chapter 4, in verse 3, it says... What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work. He imputeth that. He gives righteousness. He allows for righteousness to be a part of our standing. Verse 7, it says, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Imputation is where someone's record is changed in some way or made different in some way. And uh, we find this term used there uh, again several times here in the book of Romans. We read on there if we could. 
in uh, verse number 9, it says, Cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only, or the uncircumcision only? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Who, I says, how was it reckoned? When he was in the circumcision or the uncircumcision? Not in the circumcision, but the uncircumcision. Again, we see imputation mentioned here. And uh, you find it mentioned there towards the end of the chapter, verse 22, it says, And therefore it was imputed to him, speaking of Abraham, for righteousness. Now, is it not the, written for his sake what, uh, that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. The blessedness of justification is a matter of imputation where we receive a different record. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a different record. You know, all of us have a record, so to speak, of life, of what we've done and what we have not done, what we've said and maybe what we haven't said, what we've thought, and, and uh, maybe things that we should have thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 19, but God takes this record and he changes it for us through justification. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 19, it says, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world on himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath get committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you that you be reconciled to God. For he hath been made to be a sin for us, that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We might be made different. We'd have a different kind of righteousness, which is not of the law or not by our acts, but of all of grace. Let's turn to the little book of uh, Philemon, if you would. The little book of Philemon here, after Timothy and Titus. Uh, we have the little book of Philemon. Again, getting a record that we do not deserve is part of the blessedness of justification. Uh, Philemon chapter 1, verse number 18, it says, If he hath wronged thee, owe thee ought, put that on my account. If he owes thee, put that on my account. The blessedness of imputation is something that's given to us. It's reckoned to us. It's counted to us. It's given to us as a gift. Let's turn back there to Romans chapter 4. Are you in a position here today, as the Bible says, as it says of David, that he was in a position that God would no longer impute sin unto him? Let's read through this again. Romans chapter 4, verse number 6, it says, Even as David also described the blessedness of man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed is that man whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is that man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Again, to be in this place of imputation is to be in a place of forgiven. Not just for a moment, but forever. 
It says there, the Lord will not impute sin. He's covered our sins. Christ graciously gives us a new record, a sinless record, a record we do not deserve. And we see there in the Bible that of imputation given to us, something we don't deserve, a reward or reckoning given to us. Blessed is the man that the Lord will not impute sin. Rather, as he looks at us, he sees us as forgiven. Blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Looking at me or someone who saved by grace, our sins are forgiven. Uh, sorry, our, our sins are covered and our iniquities are forgiven. And so we see here the blessedness of justification. I want to mention here, fourthly, the blessedness of justification is available to every race. We see this here mentioned here in this chapter of the Bible, and I believe it's important, so I want to read through part of this. Verse 13, let's pick up Romans chapter 4, verse number 13. The Bible says, For the promise that he should be an heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. How did he get this position where he would be an heir to the world? He got that through faith, verse 13 says that. Became the father of the faith, of, of, of people of faith. In verse number 14 it says, For if they which are of, uh, of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, and there is no law. Where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be of grace, to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Paul sets forth that Abraham's faith was an heir of a Gentile. It was the faith of someone who had not yet been circumcised. And yet you find him to be saved by grace and through faith. Salvation's by grace, it's not by race. There is no salvation by race. Abraham became an heir to the world, an heir of all those who would believe on him to everlasting life. We read on verse number 17, it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as those as they were, uh, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Someone might say, well, uh, Abraham, he's a father, so to speak, of the Jewish nation. Well, it says here, through faith, he became the father of many nations. Many of the Jews rejected faith and grace, embracing the law, and thinking that by the deeds of the law, I shall be justified. But you won't be justified that way, because it goes back there in chapter 3. It says, therefore we conclude by, that by that a man is justified, chapter 2, verse 28, uh, 3, verse 28, sorry. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing he is one God 
which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision by faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. We establish the law. The law shows again to the Gentile that he is needing grace and salvation. It also shows the same thing the Jew, that is they fall short of following the law completely, that they need grace and salvation. They need the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And then finally here, as we consider the blessedness of justification, the blessedness of justification is peace with God by a trusting faith. The blessedness of justification is peace with God through a trusting faith. And we see this in the case of Abraham. And I want you to observe this here in Romans chapter 4. What was uh, again, Abraham's faith like? What was the faith that counted unto him for righteousness? Paul describes it here in Romans chapter 4, verse 18 through 21. Let's read verse 18. It says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that which he had promised, he was also able to perform. And so we see his faith here, the blessedness of justification by faith. The blessedness of justification by faith is peace with God through a trusting faith. I want to read chapter 5, verse number 1, 2. It says here, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in the promise of God leads to the privilege of peace with God. There are no biological, so to speak, children of God. We all become heirs of God through adoption. You're born as a son of Adam. You're born as a sinner. You're born on the side of the devil. And you need to be adopted into the Lord's family. And we're not going to look at details of that tonight, but if you'd like to, I'd certainly be willing to show you more along that lines. But we find here in, in Romans chapter 4, we see the believing faith or the trusting faith of Abraham. I want you to notice just a few things about it here tonight. Uh, first of all, we mentioned here, he believed in hope when there was no hope. He believed in hope when there was no hope. It says that in verse 18, and it says, and against hope believed in hope. You say, what do you mean? He believed in hope when there was no hope. Well, you see, in, in verse number uh, in, in 19, he was promised again to be the father of many nations. And then verse number 19, it says he was not weak in faith, even though the fact was now that he was 100 years old, verse 19, and the Bible describes him, his body, in a sense, dead. In other words, unable to produce other children. And then it also mentions of his wife, Sarah, there. It says, yet the deadness of Sarah's wombs. And so these two have both been there in the promised land for quite some time. I think it was about 
uh, 20, almost 25 years there, 20-some years there. And they had been in the promised land. And I'm sure they had tried to have children and all those kind of things. They didn't have children. They got to the point where they were very old. The Bible describes them there in verse number 19. 100 years old. He's 100 years old. And she's old too. And their ability to have children is just really not there. I mean, biologically, this should not happen. What has to happen there? God has to give life to the dead. A life where there is no life. And yet it says there in verse number 20, it says, He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. The trusting faith of Abraham was believing in a hope that nobody else would hope in, that God could give life to the dead. You know, Abraham actually believed this twice, that he could give life to the dead. Let's turn over to Hebrews. He believed that God could give life to that which is dead. He could give life to a dead womb and to bodies that were in a, in a, in a position where they basically were not able to produce children anymore. And God could give children to that kind of a person. How could he do that? By his power, by his grace, by trusting in a promise that he had made. He was not weak in faith. He did not fluctuate or fleet in faith. But the Bible describes him as being strong in faith. Now, you, you understand, again, if you study the life of Abraham, it seems like his faith was growing over time. But he believed in two things, and it's amazing to believe these things, things that nobody in general would hope for. It says that against hope, he believed in hope. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 11 through 13, the Bible describes him and his wife believing that he could give life to a dead womb. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised, who sprang there even as one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky multitude, as the sand of the sea is seashores uh, innumerable, these all died in the faith, having not received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Abraham and Sarah both embraced the promises of God and received the promises of God by faith. They both, in a sense, had a steadfast hope that life could come from a dead womb, and it did come. They also believed, and he believed there, that God could raise his dead son if he killed him. He didn't kill him. But you'll see there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, as we read on there, that Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead if he sacrificed. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number uh, 14, uh, 17, there it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, he that received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall I see be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he also received him in figure. So we turn back there to Romans chapter 5. It's amazing to see the hope of Abraham, but it's a similar hope that we have hope in, uh, in Jesus that through hope, we can receive a promise from God. We can receive salvation from God. We can receive justification, pardon, forgiveness 
life eternal from God if we exercise faith in him. Hebrews mentions Abraham's faith being that, that he could believe that life could come from a dead woman, from a dead son. Life could come into these things again. But you see there in Romans chapter 4, verse number 21 and verse number 22, his hope was not just a steadfast hope, a strong faith, but it was also a sure hope. Verse 21 and 22, it says, And being fully persuaded that what he had persuaded, he was also able to form, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. His righteousness was given as a result of his hope in God, his faith in God, his trust in God. Abel was sure that God could do what nobody else could do, give children to parents that were old by the power of God, who raised up his son from the dead, even if he slayed him by the power of God, could make him the father of many nations by the power of God. Abram was saved through faith in the promises of God. We're saved by similar faith. Look there in verse number 22 and following, he says, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to him, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. And then it goes on, and I, I want to read this because this is connected with chapter 4. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We find in the Bible that trusting faith of Abraham and our trusting faith is very much similar to that, as it mentions there in verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, going back to verse number 24, who died, in verse 24, was delivered for our offenses, and was raised for our justification. And so as we believe these things that Jesus was delivered for our offenses and raised for our justification that faith is a faith that can be counted to us for righteousness. Are you justified by grace tonight? Romans chapter 3, let's go back there to verse number 24. Have you been justified freely by his grace? Romans chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's available. It's accessible. We can stand in a perfect, privileged standing before God in a position of grace. You see that in chapter 5, verse 2, it says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace where we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. A perfect standing. We can have righteousness, forgiveness, pardon, sanctification, a right standing before God by faith. We have a gift of forbearance that's given to us. Verse 25, the last part, it says that through the forbearance of God, 
gave a son to be a propitiation or payment for our sin through the forbearance of God. There's a gift available to us where God can forbear and forgive our sins through his love and through the forbearance of God as Jesus dying in our place. We see imputed righteousness mentioned also here that we can have as a position before God. Look at verse 8 of chapter 4. It says, Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Chapter 4, verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Chapter 4, verse 7. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Who's he talking about? He's talking about ungodly people. You're going back to chapter 4, verse 5. It says, To whom that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even David also Describe the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. The man who exercises faith without works and believes that God can justify the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And this peace leaves us with a standing before God that will never change. We see that in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and I'll close with those verses here tonight. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He believed in children. He believed that God could, uh, again, uh, give give them that heritage and allow for him to be a father of many nations. He did this by faith. We exercise faith in the blood of Jesus that that can justify us despite our sinfulness. Are you justified by his grace through his blood? I want to ask you that here tonight in closing. The blessedness of justification, are you part of it? Are you part of a perfect, privileged, standing position of grace by the forbearance of God imputed to you by his love and his forgiveness, not according to race, but to give you a peace with God that passes all understanding. Let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight.